Welcome to the Figure Fit Lifestyle Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Liz Nearswicki, international best-selling author of the book, Happy Healthy Fit, founder and owner of Solace Yoga Studio, Solace Yoga School, and Figure Fit, the worldwide online personal training program. I'm a single mom, paleo fit score female champion for 2014, I am a self and soul love expert, entrepreneur at heart, a visionary and a futurist. I'm also a mentor. I am so grateful that you are here. Each week, I'll bring you a special guest or an inspirational tip that will help you break old patterns, find that inner motivation that will help you take action towards creating the life of your dreams. You didn't come here to play small and watch others live amazing lives. No, you are divine, my godly friend. The universe wants to shower you with an amazing life filled with happiness and soulful connections. Are you ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Figure Fit Podcast, where we discuss fitness, paleo nutrition, yoga, meditation, spirituality, and other ways to have a happy, peaceful, and abundant life. And here's your host, Liz Nearswicki. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the show. I am so excited for you to hear this show today. You guys, it was surprisingly amazing for both me and my guest. It's so fun when you just start talking to somebody and you really have no idea where it's going to go. Well, I don't think that my guest today, Jim Klopman, really knew just how spiritual and philosophical and metaphysical I am. And when he started to talk about his product called Slackbow, which helps people with balance, and I started to ask him a little bit more about why are you doing this and you know where did it initially come from? And then he got into how he had some brain trauma and damage when he was a child and it caused him to have ADD. And therefore his balancing and his focusing helped him. So he really got into this deep practice of working with focus and balance and how the balancing, just like, you know, when you're doing for me, like in the yoga studio, when we're doing balance poses, we're really just focusing on, you know, ankle mobility and grounding and extension. Well, for Jim, it's a whole new level. It's really working with the senses and our entire autonomic nervous system. So we talk about that today in the podcast and we really get into just how our autonomic nervous system is, uh, it's automatic system. Everything's happening in our subconscious and our consciousness isn't even aware of all the stuff that's happening. So we really got into a deep conversation today, you guys, and I cannot wait for you to hear this show. Okay, you guys, so a little bit about my guest today. His name is Jim Klopman. He is a lifelong innovator who has always been one of those people who thinks differently. He believes balanced training has sharpened his ability to make new neural connections and see the possibilities and pathways that others might miss. Originally, Jim was looking for a way to maintain his own athletic performance back in the 90s, but the slack bow balance training system that he developed turned out to be a key to a whole new body and mind fitness uh, regimen that was even more revolutionary than he could ever have imagined. So he's super eager to spread his knowledge, his techniques, and his tools far and wide to help seekers like him tune their brains to perform better in work, in sports, in sleep, um, looking younger, living longer, and you know, we talk a little bit about uh, yoga and cross training and fitness and high powered athletes, but that's kind of like the surface, you guys. The, today's conversation is just fantastic, and I really think you're just gonna love it. So, I kindly ask you to really just tune in and maybe bring to both of us some of your questions about consciousness and subconscious and reprogramming and any sort of cross-training fitness questions that you might have. But, you know, for both Jim and myself, creating new neural connections is the way to really transform your life, your habits, your patterns, and the way that you 
really live your life. So let me talk to you a little bit about that and what this means. When you're creating new neural connections in your brain, you're creating new synapses. Now, if you are, this is the best example that I have. If you're somebody who is like quick to anger, that is an automatic response that you have built so deep in your system that your body is so used to doing it. It's actually your cells push it up. It's like a push up method. And your cells actually kind of crave it sometimes and make you anxious for some sort of um, this quick fix that these cells are getting or that they're missing that they need. And so those are called like these little locking keys that you send these peptides down to the cells from your brain and the cells have little docking stations to receive those peptides that you've been feeding those cells all along. Now, the way that we create new neural connections is by giving our cells new information. And the way that we do that in a way that is so, so powerful, in a way that maybe life is not giving you the opportunity to make new neural connections, well, there's a trick. How do we do it? We do it with visualization. We do it with meditation. And you guys, the thing about it is we can't be lazy with this stuff. If we really, truly want to make change, we have to put in the effort. And we have to feel like we got to be willing to look stupid to our own selves. Or if you're married, look stupid in front of your spouse or look stupid in front of your partner and be like, oh, well, I'm creating new neural connections. Do you want me to be happy? Well, this is what I'm doing for myself and for everybody around me. Um, one of the times I first heard about this with Tony Robbins, and he was like, get into that car that you want. Get into it. Sit in a room and scream and yell and be excited that it's yours and get the feeling going inside of you. Get your brain releasing those chemicals and those peptides and your brain and your body doesn't know it any other way. So we can't be lazy with this stuff. When we wanna create new neural connections, we have to do the work. This is some of the high-end coaching stuff that I work with people on is kind of uprooting some of their bad triggers and reprogramming them. This is high-end um, coaching, high-end work that takes time and it takes somebody who knows what they're doing and that can work with you and help you and guide you and love you along the way and help you when you are beating up on yourself and helping you to find compassion and self-love. So if this is something that you're interested in, please reach out to me. This is called my Human Transcendence High-End Coaching Program. And I'm really excited for you guys to hear this podcast today. So without further ado, here is the special guest today, Jim Klopman. Jim, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you very much. You're welcome. I'm so happy to have you and get talking about what you have going on in this crazy world we're living in. Yeah, I am too. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. So why don't you just give my listeners a brief snippet about who you are and what you do? Um, I developed a, a balance system uh, we call it slack boat balance training for athletes. And what we do is we train athletes to improve their balance. And just by improving their balance, they get better at their sport. Uh, we've written a book called Balance is Power. We have several products, some of them patented. We have processes and methods that are really unique. And we think that we've discovered unique things about balance the rest of the world doesn't know. And uh, we're just trying to get the word out there and let people know that your balance can be improved. And when you do, it, it makes you think better. It makes you feel better. And it also helps you perform better in your sport, no matter what the sport is. Mm, I like that. So many things you just said that I can't wait to dive into. So uh, first, tell me about your book, Balance Power. Well, I wrote it out of frustration because I kept getting sort of crazy looks from people in the fitness industry <clears throat> when I told them it's really about building better muscles, not bigger muscles. And, um, you know, I said, well, it's all about how you improve your balance. And everybody goes, yeah, well, we do balance training, and to which I say 99.9% .9 of the people out there that do balance training don't do it correctly and don't do it in a way that improves your athletic performance. <clears throat> so in the book, we go through the four major reasons that you lose your balance and why balance degrades over time and how you can recover from it. And then we go through the six or seven different types of sports or sport, what we call athletic movements, and how balance improves each of those athletic movements. And then at the end of the book, we give you some examples of our style of uh, and methods of balance training. Mm, I love 
love that. That's awesome. Well, you know, as a yoga teacher, I'm very interested in learning more about um, what you know that 99% of the world doesn't know. So um, I also like what you said about earlier, so I'm ready to dive into these too, is that um, helps you with uh, your mind thinking and your athletic abilities. So why don't you just tell us a little bit more about what you've discovered? Well, I, you know, the I kept it a secret for years, but now I'm just blabbing it to everybody. <clears throat> one of the most one of the key elements is that we feel pretty confidently that the balance system is part of the autonomic nervous system. And this is not really considered as such when you look at the, the medical research or anybody that talks about the ANS, they don't ever talk about the balance system. And by the way, I call it the balance system because it's a really a system of five or six separate systems that help you stand upright and move and keep you from falling. It's not just proprioceptive and it's just not vestibular. <clears throat> but when I say it's part of the ANS, the ANS is meant to be automatic and protective. Well, nobody consciously balances it. You do it without any effort at all. And secondarily, falling is painful. So I consider it to be protective. But it has a incredible control over the body. So you cannot run and cut any faster than your balance system allows because if you try to run and cut faster than your balance system allows, regardless of how strong you are or how skilled you are in the mechanics of cutting, you're going to stumble or fall. Your body will automatically throttle your speed back to your limit. As soon as we raise that balance limit, suddenly you can cut and turn much faster. And this is true with any sport. You can hit better. You can hit a tennis ball better, a golf ball better. You ski faster. You do better in, in uh, what you do in terms of yoga and the balance challenges you have there. And anything you do, uh, you will get better just by improving your balance. Mm. I'm actually taking notes on this because I'm like sitting here thinking about this is so cool. I've just never thought about it. I've never thought about this. <laughs> right. You know, like, well, I've thank never... you for saying that. Most people say I'm crazy. So at least you're thinking about it. I appreciate <laughs> that. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm, I'm a, I'm a geek. I'm an athletic geek. And I have, um, you know, I have a yoga school. So I teach yoga poses right. and I teach balance myself and I teach grounding and extension. Right. And, um, with my fitness program, you know, you're sitting there saying that, it, you know, you're not going to be able to cut better if you don't have, if you don't, what I'm hearing is specifically train this system in a way that right. it needs to be trained. And so right. like for me with my figure fit program, it's completely different. It's a total cross training system right. for anybody and it works the anaerobic and the glycolytic system. So right. it makes those two systems faster, stronger, more powerful. So right. I see the science behind what you're saying. And, cool. you know, there's always a way to um, confuse people <laughs> and then also right. speak the science that helps them to kind of get it. You know, right. so I would love to dive into more about the science behind what you're what you've discovered, because um, I get that as you train something like this uh, specifically, everything else is going to get better as well. That's just right. how the right. body works. Right. Right. Well, you know, one of the things that we we discuss a lot and this is something that. Again, most people look at me like this is doesn't this is crazy but how do you argue with it the very best athletes have these components to them oftentimes they're not the big muscular guys <clears throat> on the court or on the field or gals number two the very best athletes have the best aim they're the best shooters on the court so to speak they also have this other component that most people don't tie the two together is they have the very best field vision. So they see more of what's going on around them. They almost have a sixth sense in terms of where the ball is and where they are and where their opponents are and where their teammates are. We have found that vision is a key component to learning how to improve your athletic balance. Now, a lot of people will train with their eyes closed. To that, our response is great if you want to be a well-balanced blind person, but just trying to turn off one of your major sensors that help you balance and move through a sport is just kind of stupid. Secondarily, what we've discovered, and we have some science behind this that we keep in our back pocket, we don't really readily talk about it, 
But 90% of the data that comes into your eyes comes into your brain subconsciously. It's not something that goes through your conscious system. So you can never really fully test this peripheral vision because you, the data isn't going to your conscious mind where you can react to it. It's going straight to your athletic brain. So when we teach people how to balance, we also incorporate and teach them how to utilize this peripheral vision. Now, how does that relate to what you do? I mean, I don't know everything you do, but when you talk about yoga, and I may mispronounce this word. I feel like I'm spitting every time I say it, but is it the drishti point? Is that how you say it? Drishti. Yeah, yeah drishti point. Mm -hmm. So when you are doing the tree pose and you're doing these balance poses in yoga and they have you look at a spot, that actually is debilitating to your balance and decoordinating your body. When you have it, the ability to look at the spot and see all the spaces around the spot, including the floor, ceiling, and walls, and everything else outside of your peripheral vision, and that's just a feeling, it's not something you see, your balance improves dramatically. And I love this when I get yoga people that come see me, and oh yeah, you know, I'm looking at a spot that's helping my balance. We take them off the line or whatever they're doing, and we have a little physical demonstration, and we show them how looking at the spot will actually make them less coordinated. And when they learn how to use that broad peripheral vision, they're better coordinated and have better balance. Oh, boy. <laughs> you just rocked my world. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally okay with that. Um, I'm going to have to try it. You know, one of the things when we are doing tree pose with my clients and I'll ask them to find their dristy and focus right. on it. And then I, as the teacher, will look around at people right. and hold my balance. And um, it's really, it's a sensu sensuation. Sensu I want to say sensual, but I don't think it's the word I'm looking for. It's a sensation no. thing with my body right. Um, right. that, you know, I can, I can ground in my body and feel more than it be right. a sight thing. Right. Well, what, what happens is when you, when you go to this place of having this broad vision, and some of it we activate, you know, basically without even you seeing it, it is a more, it puts you more into your body and you feel more from that standpoint and you get out of your conscious mind. We also demonstrate that, that when you look at that drizzly point and you look at that little tiny spot, you can have an overactive conscious mind. As soon as you go to this broad vision and you more activate that sense along with the other senses, and we teach people that as well, not only should you have broad vision and see everything you possibly can, but feel everything you can. Feel the clothes against your skin. If there's any air blowing around the room, feel that against your skin. You know, if you have a taste in your mouth, taste it. We find that people, when they balance, put their tongue in a certain place, and we think the tongue is a major sensor, and there's research that demonstrates that somehow the tongue has something to do with the balance system. They don't know how or why. We feel the hands are a big part of it. Um, we want you to feel the, the pressures on the bottom of your feet. We want you to sense everything you can on your body all at one time. And when you turn on all these senses, guess what? And you're doing it right now as I'm talking to you. I know your conscious mind shuts off. And when your conscious mind shuts off, you're allowing that athletic brain to operate. You can never have the athletic brain operating while you've got some conscious thought going on. And the best way to activate that subconscious mind and turn off that conscious mind is to activate your senses maximally as much as you possibly can. That makes a lot of sense to me, actually. There's so much we don't know about the body and how it works. Oh, my God. I'm so glad you said that. You know, I get this all the time. I, I purposely stayed away from fitness training or learning the Latin name of all the muscles and then really not knowing what the heck's going on. There's 40,000 neuroscience researchers in the world right now, and about half of them, 20,000 of them, are researching the brain-body interaction. So anybody who says they know what's going on doesn't know what's going on because there wouldn't be as many people studying if it was, you know, hammered science and we all knew exactly what was happening. Yeah, definitely. So what, so the auto, autonomic nervous system, can mm -hmm. you go into that a little bit more specifically to, to well, give just people this idea of exactly what that is? The ANS is, is a system of automatic processes that your body does to 
protect itself. So your heart rate is, you don't have to think about your heart rate, but you can slow it down, you can speed it up. Your breathing's automatic. They even say things such as, you know, if you were to stick your hand under hot water, you snatch it back, that's an automatic response. You know, it's automatic and it's protective. Um, there are certain things about the ANS that are still ancient. Uh, Wim Hof, I think, does a good job of explaining how these ancient systems uh, are not really useful today. One of them is, I mean, I'm getting into the weeds here, but one of them is just, you know, getting cold and you have this panic that you need to get out of the cold. And nowadays, you don't have to worry about that because it only takes, you know, anywhere from 15 minutes to two hours to get out of the cold. But, you know, 10,000 years ago or 5,000 years ago to get out of the cold may take you 24 hours. So you really had to respond to it differently. But the the ANS is automatic and it's protective. Now, the interesting thing about the balance system is I can slow my heart rate down. I can speed it up. I can even change the blood flow. And there's research that, that's proven that. You can't consciously affect your balance system. You can't make it better or worse just by thinking about it. It controls you. It is the most massive neurally controlling system on your body. It's right up there, I think, even greater than that of something like blood flow. Because it uses, when you're just standing, just standing, you're supposedly using up to 700 muscles just holding still. So you're in a constant state of motion, even though you're standing on two feet and you think you're standing still. And that's why standing is so tiring. And when you want to relax, you lean against the wall. And as soon as you lean against the wall, you do what I call is tripoding or three-pointing. At that point, you no longer need your balance system. And that's why that's less takes less effort than just standing. <clears throat> So this system is automatic. You can't, you can't trick it. it. You cannot overcome it. It will control you more than any other uh, part of the ANS. Mm. Well, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, so could you, would you be willing to go in, I know you talk about this in your book, the four reasons we begin to lose balance. Yeah, um, and none of these are scientifically proven. <laughs> these are all theories. But listen to them, and if they make sense to you, you'll understand it. Um, one is the spaces that we live and operate in. The modern world is really made for people who have some sort of mobility problem, whether they're in a, with using a cane or a walker. So we build this virtually balanced, challenge-free environment. The floors are perfectly flat. The walls are perfectly vertical. Every step is perfectly measured and exactly the same. And if you walk around, what I love is I walk around cities. I live in an extremely athletic city here, and there's hundreds of miles of trails. But if you walk down the sidewalk, and even the neighborhoods around this town, and there's a little quarter-inch raise in a crack in the sidewalk. There's a crew out there, you know, grinding it down because, God forbid, you trip over a crack. Mm -hmm. So what happens is the whole balance system gets detuned. I have this index I created called the KBI, and it's 0 to 100, 50 being average, 80 being a you know pretty high-functioning athlete, 90 being the very top pro athletes, and 100 being uh, a Cirque du Soleil performer. On the other end of the scale, 20 is <clears throat> what we consider somebody who needs a cane or a walker to, to get around. Now, we have this world that's built for level 20 balance challenges, and we're taking our balance system and detuning it down to that level. So it's just like if you were to get strong, you wouldn't lift five pounds every day. You'd lift five pounds, 10 pounds, 20 pounds. Well, we're just walking around basically using our five-pound level of our balance system. And then one day we have a little balance challenge, let's say a 50, 60, 70 challenge, and we stumble. We may not fall, but one day we will fall. And the numbers on falls are just astronomically bad, mm -hmm. and they continue to go up, yet it's something we don't talk about because when you lose your balance, it's a hidden loss. And 90% of the people I've worked with go, uh, come in to see me, they don't know how good their balance is or how bad their balance is. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it's a lot worse than what they think it is. Mm. Wow. That's interesting. So how do you test that? It's through the slack line? Is it a slack line? Yeah, we, we, it's called a, we have a device called a slack bow. It's a patented device. It's developed off the slack line. It's um, 
infinitely adjustable. Uh, we don't walk on it. We do positional work on it. We do the 12-minute routine, which looks like we're going to get a patent on that, which is a series of standing and positioning exercises that you do on the line, and then there's added components done to it. Um, they, one of the issues with the KBI now is probably me and one other person in the world that really knows how to generate those numbers for somebody. But we, or I look at somebody and I look at their movement patterns when they first get up on the line, if they can get up on the line. Some people can't even get up on line, which you know puts them further down the KBI. But they'll get up there and we look for certain movement patterns of how their legs are moving, how the rest of their bodies are moving to give a, a, a number to where they are. And what happens, you know, example of this, why it's a little different than other balance indexes is I had a <clears throat> pretty high performing uh, slope style skiing performance skier come in and he'd had a concussion and we work with people who've had concussions because we help them recover from post-concussive syndrome where other things don't help them. And his mother said, well, gee, you know, the physical therapist said that his balance is okay. So he got up and he was about a 40, 50 in terms of being on the KBI. And I said, yeah, that's good balance for operating in day-to-day -day world. But he's a slope-style skier. He's riding rails and doing inverted flips, front, back, and sideways, all different things. And I said, he needs to be up around an 80 to get back onto the slope. And she understood that, and we worked with him. And not only did his symptoms go away, but you know he got much better at his sport. <clears throat> But the point is, most balance indexes sort of take you out of the physical therapy realm. None of them really take you up into the very high-functioning athletic realm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that makes, yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. I see a lot of people who have gone through, you know, physical therapy. And, it's not, and I don't want to bash it at all because it's definitely exactly. needed. Right. Um, just the medical community itself only pays for that. And like right. insurance pays for that. And there's so right. much more that needs to be done right. for people outside of just that. And then they, you know, they Agreed. get sent on their way. Um, the, the medical community massively needs to be changed. You know, services like yoga, any sort of fitness right. programs that are helping people, they need to be, right. if, if the insurance community is going to cover some, it should cover all. Agreed. You yeah. Know? So, yeah. Um, there's just a lot that the old school medical community is just stuck and it's not changing, but right. people have so much faith in it that that's the way it needs to be. But look at our society, right. look what keeps happening. People, people get right. injured and re-injured because they're just not going right. past that point. Right. I think maybe you and I might do better if we wore really pretty white mm -hmm. doctor lab coats. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's really frustrating because a lot of times I know more about the yeah. the body, like really, right. truthfully, nutrition wise, how the body works than my own physician because right. he knows right. medicine. And yet right. he makes tons of money, has a huge house. And you know, <laughs> what do I get? I'm like, this is just there's something not right about this whole thing. <laughs> so right. rant, rant over. <laughs> No, I love it. I really did. It is true. It's very true. And, um, you know, that's why I do what I do, because I want to I want to share uh, real truth with the world. And that's right. my goal. Right. Agreed. And I'm glad you do. I'm glad you have happy in your uh, formula, to be honest with you, because I think that that's important component of what we do. And, and I know you see it. So many people come out of the gym and they're just like they go, man, my trainer kicked my ass. I feel like shit. Well, that's. Really? I didn't think you were supposed to feel like that after you worked out. I thought you were supposed to feel good and feel revitalized and ready to go on take the day, not just go, ugh, I feel mm -hmm. like crap. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a really important part of any fitness work is it you know, makes you feel better afterwards, not worse. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, granted, some of my fit, figure fit people leave me going, I hate you. I had a girl the oh. other day, I was like, doing a, the, a fourth round of shoulders and she mm -hmm. I turned around and she was staring at me I swear I had daggers in the back of my head when I turned <laughs> around and I looked at her I go look at you I go my head's burning right now <laughs> <laughs> got a hole there right <laughs> she goes at the end of it she goes I love you again I was like okay good <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's funny but yeah I mean for me the happy is all about our mindset and really like um mindset is so much so speaking about yeah. that uh you know as a meditation teacher and helping people with their consciousness 
keeping their consciousness focused. Right. Um, t- let's talk about that because you mentioned that early on, and that was one of the things I wrote down that I would love to learn more about. How does this um, help you with your, you know, your consciousness and your thinking? Well, I mean, a couple of ways. I mean, there's research that supports this, but you, nobody ever said I need to spend more time in the office. You know, they're they're like, we need to get out of the office. And typically what people will do to go have fun is they'll do something to challenge their balance. So ride a motorcycle, go hike in nature, go to amusement park, ski, um, play a sport, baseball, tennis, whatever. All these things balance your challenge. I mean, challenge your balance. If you don't think it's something that's enjoyable, take a one-year-old child. I mean, you have a, a, a child. Just flip that child upside down and, and see what happens. They laugh. They giggle. They love to have their balance challenge. And so do we as adults. And we find it helps to sort of integrate and clear our brain. They've done research where they would uh, take people and they'd have them run in a cityscape and they would measure brain chemicals. And then they'd run in nature and they find out they produce chemicals that are close to that of like an antidepressant when they run in nature and you don't get the same effect when you run in a cityscape. So these are things that we do to make ourselves feel better. Um, Kids nowadays, um, you're probably too young to remember this, but when I was a kid, we always had time where we could go outside and play in the jungle gym and wrestle and do all sorts of things outside. We're not allowed to do that in school now. And there's less PE and the PE has become so sanitized that it's kind of just like not even full movement patterns that you're allowed to go into. Well, they've shown that just by letting these kids do these things like we used to do, that they end up getting better grades and there's less ADD and less desire to have all this kind of, I mean, less of a need to have all this frenetic type of movement. So, when you challenge your balance, it just makes you feel better. There's also little bits of research out there that show by just by balance, challenging your balance, you start to activate that subconscious mind and, and turn off the conscious mind. Secondly, when we train people, it's amazing what a total, it's not just, I, I hate to say it's just the brain, it's your whole neurology, it's your brain and your whole nervous system gets sort of lit up into an automatic mode and that conscious mind shuts off. So it's when we take someone to a maximal balance challenge, their maximal balance challenge, they're using everything they got. And as soon as I say to them, hey, you're doing a good job, their conscious mind flicks on for just a second and they'll lose their balance within two to three seconds afterwards. Mm. As soon as somebody gives us an ego statement of, oh, I've never stayed up this long or I've never done this this long, I look at them and like two to three seconds later, they have to step off because they've lost their balance. Or we'll leave the room sometimes and walk out of the room while they're doing their balance challenges and I hear from the other room, hey, I just stayed up here longer than I ever have because me being removed from the room means that their judgment, they're not being judged in their mind and that allows them to be even freer to use their subconscious, you know, active physical mind and not their conscious mind. And then we will add other neural challenges to people when they're training just to do that same sort of thing to get them out of their head. And uh, it's, I have a guy now who's a meditation, he's on his way to being a Buddhist monk. uh, And he's a meditation teacher. And he says, Yeah, this is, this is exactly what I feel when I'm meditating and I'm teaching people how to meditate. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. There's focus. There's there's extreme focus in that, and there's right. that's what gets you to that place of meditation is that focused concentration. Right, but it can't be a conscious thing. Yeah, focus, focus, focus. You know, and I see people trying to consciously move parts of their body. I'm like, leave it alone. Don't worry. Your body will find the right place. And they start trying to move their foot this way, that way, trying to do things consciously. And we give a little bit instruction. But 90% of what we do, honestly, is just letting the body make the decision. And when the body starts to make its own decisions, and it is forced to make its own decisions, because when you take someone to a maximal balance, they can't consciously control anything. It's so remarkable that we can't even have uh, clients work in front of a mirror. Mm. By the time they see the data from the mirror that gets back to their conscious mind, it 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 will no longer be uh, viable information, and they cannot use that information, and they don't balance as well. Well, hmm. Wow, makes it just it all makes a lot of sense to me. So, um, you have uh, like a like a studio type where you do this. 
Yeah, we've had a couple of studios here in Park City, and we've shut them down just because we haven't had the numbers in this little town. But now we operate and we share space in Park City, Utah, and we travel. Uh, people buy our products all over the country, and we certify gyms and things like that. So we do oh. it. We do it all, I guess I should say. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. So. Um... I would love to talk to you about that gym certification process because I want to do that with yeah. Figure Fit. Yeah, uh, off air. Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, no problem. We got plenty of time. Yeah. Um, so, um, where are you in your personal journey with this? Um, really, what what was your <laughs> what was your catalyst to make you even want to do this? Oh God. Oh. <laughs> I'm getting personal. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, um, it's such a long convoluted story but you know the short version is when i was uh 50 i skied with stein erickson who's you know my wife at the time gave me a a day with him and it was one of the greatest birthdays i've ever had in my life this guy was 75 at the time and he was the first sort of famous popular skier extreme skier trick skier plus a great olympian and world champion and, you know, I was wondering how he skied well into his 70s. And he's a lovely man. He's now passed away. But we talked a lot about, you know, how to ski well into your 70s, 80s, and 90s. And after that day, I've always been an athlete. And I just decided, you know, I want to be athletic into my 70s, 80s, and 90s. And what is it that will get me there? And I started thinking about it. You know, you're in the fitness space. And and people like you have just pushed fitness to its to its max. I mean, it's amazing how fit people are. I'm now 65 and I'm perfectly proud to take off my shirt. And I think that I'm fitter than anybody else my age, but I really, all I do is balance training. But my point is fitness today is, is so good that it wasn't fitness that made us better skiers. Okay. Because we all were in great shape. So what else was it? Was it a loss of skill? No, it wasn't a loss of skill because the more you do something, the better you should get at it. So I started thinking, why do athletes age out? And apparently I'm finding out in pro sports, this is a big issue. But, you know, why would a baseball player start to lose his, an MLB player start to, to lose his skills in his 30s? He's just as strong as he was in his 30s when he was 25. And the more times you're at bat, the better you should get, not worse. So what was the, the component? And I believe the component is losing balance. So I decided to go out in the industry, the fitness industry, and so, see what was out there. And there was nothing out there. So I said, okay, I'll develop my own system. I started developing my own methods, my own systems. I went out and I skied incredibly better that year. And I was just shocked. I didn't think I could get that much better. And I exposed it to other athletes and every athlete I exposed it to ended up getting better in their sport. And we did a little research on it. And it's just, you know, one thing turned to another and it took us down this rabbit hole of stuff about the balance system. And it, turned out, it turns out it's a huge component to brain health. I found out in my, I've had lifelong ADD and dyslexia and I found out Oh, about a year or two after I started this, that I have fairly extensive brain damage and maybe the causes of my ADD and dyslexia. But I also found out that the cerebellum, the center of your balance in your brain, had a lot of d destruction to it. And, you know, it's funny when I was being evaluated, the doctors said to me, well, you know, you need the balance train. I said, no, I don't. And they said, yes, you do. And I said, no, I, you know, we went back and forth. I'm like, no, I balance all the time. There's nobody in the country that has balance as good as I do at my age. And I understood why at that point in time, why I really love to ski at 60 miles an hour ever since I was a kid, why I love to do crazy things that were so engaging of my whole body. That's why I loved athletics is because if you engage every active part of your body, for me, my brain quiets down. Mm -hmm. And that all sort of came together that the reason I had such an attraction to sports, the reason I had such an attraction to this, the reason why I wanted to do this was all of this calmed my brain down. And I figured when I was in my 70s and 80s, if I couldn't do something like skiing or some other aggressive sport, that I just couldn't sit there with my brain. I'd go crazy. Yet I have to do something. Mm -hmm. So it sort of all grew into that. And once I found out it helped these other athletes, I thought, well, this is a message that needs to get out there. And then, then it even got bigger still. You know, there's, I don't know if you, I'm sure you know this, is that the number one cause of accidental death for people over the age of 65 
are falls. The number one cause of injury for people over 65 are falls. But here's the crazy thing about that number is over the last 15 years, that number's nearly doubled. You know, everything else in terms of our better health nowadays has been going, you know, in terms of deaths from cancer, heart disease, et cetera, because of the better medical care and better fitness. And I know we're an overweight country, but still better diets. All those things are going down in terms of the deaths from these particular de- diseases, except for falls. It's nearly doubled. And one of the problems is that the federal government doesn't call it a disease. They call them accidents. It really is a balanced loss disease. And it can be recovered and it can be changed. So this whole thing sort of became, uh, I don't know, a mission for me. But it certainly had mission creep. It didn't start out exactly like, I mean, it didn't start out exactly like where I am right now. Mm-hmm. Wow, that all makes so much sense. You know what? Honestly, I have to say, there's a there's a phrase in like you know entrepreneur land there that where they say in your authenticity that's where people connect to you. And just by your story, everything you said before made so much sense, so much more sense. Well, thank you. It does. It just makes it's it's so needed to really hear like, because to me it all you know it just ties it all together. Um. But also the science backs it up too. You know, you can give people right. the numbers and the data and the science and be like, yes, do this. But right. knowing your story, um, because I too, had, you know, when I was younger, I had obsessive compulsive. So I was like, why? Why? What was that all about? Right, right. And right. I studied psychology in college. And, you know, even as an adult, I'm still very obsessive in my thinking. Right. Um, it's just I don't have an OCD obsessive compulsive disorder like I once did. I just broke right. that in terms of, right. you know, good luck and bad luck. And, you know, like Howie Mandel, right. people, a lot of people know that he's got a really, really strong right. obsessive compulsive disorder. And um, it's, it's, it's big, it's powerful. And so whatever right. we can do to help us and to right. um, not have those, those, because they're, they can be debilitating. They can, right. they can really affect your quality of life, your peace of mind. Right. Well, you seem to have, I mean, I, I think people went out over o- OCD, make this one determination. And of course, the biggest issue in psychology is OCD is a brain based condition, but the mind and nobody knows where the mind is or how, it, <laughs> where it comes from. The mind can make decisions to change OCD behavior just by changing how the brain operates. Mm-hmm. So this force this thing that most people don't acknowledge that they have that's outside of their brain (laughs) you know can say to the brain hey brain uh i don't like this ocd let's kind of rewire things and the brain can actually rewire itself just based on the mind whatever that is again this thing outside ourselves decides to make a decision that this is this is what you want now Oh, I love what you just said, and I need to talk about that real quick, real quick, because I am a spiritual teacher, and this is a joint spiritual podcast. Uh, maybe not right. this one per se, but my podcast <laughs> is, and right. uh, it. it's absolutely something that I teach. Now, um, I call it the soul. Some people call it spirit. I, I actually interchange yeah, it. Like right. sometimes I say it's spirit soul. Um, right. But I was reading this book last summer, and I forget which one it was. It might have been uh, Ramtha. Or the big white book. And in that book, the author is talking about the mind and how the mind is not us. It is uh, a part of us. Like in in yoga and meditation, you can, and even every person listening can go, okay, I I can see myself thinking. I can, you know, know that I'm the witness of my thoughts. And so then who am I, right? I'm the conscious space in between thoughts. Um. And also, like, I love the Rumi quote, there's a voice that does not use words. And there is, in this book, which I thought was so cool, it says that the mind isn't in you, it's everywhere. It's in between every single cell that you have. It's in between me and you, and even in the distance that we have between us from Indiana to Park City. um, It's a connection. Yeah, there's this uh, vibrational force that is always working. And um, I kind of like to say that that's what our mind is, and it's that's why we are. We have, that's why we are one with everyone and everything. Right. We're totally. Oh, I agree with that completely. And I can, you know, I'm so glad you got this. 
now we're going into the weird, but I, I love the weird anyways. But I believe even, you know, like to a certain extent can improve the performance of my clients just by my level of presence when I'm working with them. And I see this and it's clear that if I decide that they want to, if I decide they should do better on the line, just whatever I decide to think at that point in time seems to help them. And just whatever that connection that we have will cause them to perform better. You know, when you talk about the mind, it's, it's comes out of the area of neuroplasticity where the brain can rewire itself. And nowadays, if somebody has a stroke and let's say their left side is paralyzed in the old days, they'd say, well, that side's gone. You have to learn how to use your right side. Nowadays, even with children, they'll, they'll basically incapacitate the, the, the right side, the side that's still working. And let's say to get you to pick up a coffee cup, they'll just set your hand on the table and say, pick up that cup. And you're like, well, I can't, I can't, my hand doesn't move. Okay. Tomorrow, put the hand down the table, pick up that coffee cup. I can't. My hand doesn't move. Some some point along the cycle, the hand twitches and it moves. And before you know it, it picks up the cup. So what's happened there is the mind, this outside thing, has told the brain to rewire itself, that we're going to take the activity that used to control that arm, that part of the brain's dead. We're going to change those activities to some other part of the mind. Now, for me, when I had the diagnosis with the brain damage, it cleared up, you know, 50 years of me trying to figure out what the hell's wrong with me. And I have, you know, the brain damage scans showed that I had pretty extreme post-traumatic stress. I didn't know that because I've lived with it my whole life. Mm-hmm. Now, when I wake up in the middle of the night and I feel like I've had a bolt of lightning go through me and I want to jump up and go to war or whatever the case may be, I'll go, that's not me. That's just a wiring problem. I'm going to correct that and I'm going to rewire. And just by making those decisions, it's helped. And I understand in the OCD world that that's what they're doing now to have effectively help people with OCD. They're going, you have an OCD event. You don't blame yourself until you're some sort of psychological fool and that, you know, you got everything. You know, your mother was bad to you, your father was bad to you, whatever the heck it is. You just go, no, that's a wiring problem. And I'm going to start to rewire it. And this even helps people who have OCD to start to rewire their brain to get off of those OCD patterns. Mm. Wow. Wow, we just totally took a, an amazing turn. I, <laughs> I love it. Totally an amazing turn. <laughs> it's so important. Like our mind is literally everything. I just exactly, did a live yeah. on Facebook about this the other day that – it's everything. It's everything. It's everything yeah. and everything. I mean, it is. you know, I teach body and, right. but that is so superficial to me. Right. And that if that's where you're stuck, that's the easy part. That right. is the easy part. And yeah. I, you know, I was talking to my son about, he's 14, by the way. So when you said flip him around, I was like, ha ha, he, he could flip me around. Too big now. for that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but I was talking to him about this the other day, about the body. And, you know, I said, I love my body. And he laughed at me. And I go, and I said, I am so ready to speak this message because there was a point in time where I didn't, where I hated my body, right. where I cursed myself in my closet right. and told myself all these negative things about my body because I was fat and I couldn't button my pants. And it was, I, I right. literally did not like my body and there's so many people in the world that are doing that and it's awful it's sad it doesn't need to be that way and i one day made a decision to walk out of my closet and never again have that moment in my life and started just putting in a consistent effort towards my workouts and this little by little domino after domino you know i got better at this thing i got better at that thing i started to become aware of my habits i started to become aware of my consciousness of my self-sabotaging and then what was behind the self-sabotaging and that was all mindset that was all you know automatic things that were happening in my my body that i had to get conscious around and change them Right. right and so you know i said to my son i go people can say that they love 
their marriages and they want to scream that from the rooftop. I said, great. I should be able to be like, I love my body. And that should be perfectly accepted. (laughs) Sure. You know, and it's the same thing about, I was like laughing about like a well manicured lawn, you know, that looks really good. It just got mowed. It's weed whacked nicely. It's edged. It looks great. And you're (laughs) proud of it. Like you can be proud of your lawn, but you can't be proud of your body. Uh Uh-uh. No way. This is our holy home that we live in and we should be totally proud of it. So another tangent. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, and the, you know, to me, they're one and the same. It's it, it's like people go, oh, well, when they talk to me about balance, oh, my brain this, my brain that. And I go, well, yeah, but what you don't know is you have brain tissue. It's just recently discovered in the last six months or released in the last six months, brain tissue in your lower spine that takes data from the bottom of your feet, moves it up to your back, uh, moves it up to this brain-like tissue around your lower spine and then takes that data and sends it sends it back and information on how to move parts of your lower extremities so the information doesn't even go to your brain Mm. so there's brain tissue behind your heart you know when you have a feeling in your heart that is brain tissue you have brain type tissue in your stomach so you know it's it's really one system i know the brain is the big the big processor but you have little processing systems all over the body as well so when you feel something really good in the pit of your stomach it's it it's brain tissue activating. If you feel a, a connection or a warm feeling through your heart for someone, it's it's brain tissue that's operating. So you have this little bit of brain tissue all over the body. And I think there's more yet to be found, to be honest with you. Oh, wow. I agree. That's actually really interesting. Do you talk about that in your book, too? No. <laughs> <laughs> that's book two, <laughs> literally, or that's some other system of co- exactly. coaching. Really, truly, I think, you know, like the more you can get into the the, the true science and uh, I'm sorry, I'm probably overwhelming you. I'm overwhelming myself. <laughs> no, I love it. Keep it going. Because it's like not there's... up and I have I can have this kind of conversation with someone. So I enjoy it. I don't. Were we talking about balance? I don't remember. But no, go <laughs> Right. I was just thinking about how you never know, like what kind of turn my podcasts are going to go on to. And I think that's why my listeners love them so much, because it's like it's always something that is like, oh, you think you're going to be talking about like, you know, balance today or or this or and then all of a sudden it's like some deep, amazing conversation, which is awesome. Exactly. (laughs) Well, I think that. You know, there's just so much more to to what you're doing. So my thing in a nutshell is, you guys, it all starts with the body. It really does. This is our tangible system that we get to play with every single day. And we should be. We absolutely should be playing with our body, um, challenging it, moving it in different directions. And like you said, flipping it upside down is one great way to do that. We do that in yoga with inversions and handstands and Um, headstands and there's a a saying in yoga that when life doesn't make sense go upside down it just kind Mm -hmm. of has a way of putting things in a different perspective you know changing your mindset and um, you know if anything is uh, not going right in your life it has to start somewhere and it's usually typically movement it's action it's taking a new action And getting some really clear, focused consciousness around what you're doing with your body, what you're eating, uh, what you're thinking. And uh, from there, it can all kind of f- fall in to, yeah. to you know, at least being some sort of process of understanding. I like to, I actually looked up a couple months ago, like the hierarchy of needs, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Maslow's hierarchy. Yeah. And because I was thinking of my own, I, w- I was like, I need to look at this. I need to see if this is really real in, in comparison to how I philosophically live my life. Like, is this real for me? And there was a lot of it that is. And then there, I had my own, you know, little things that I added to it, you know, such as like, you know, body, absolutely. Consciousness is key. It's everything. Consciousness is one mm-hmm. of my like foundational it's at the bottom. Like his right. is survival. His is security and survival, which is totally true. But consciousness, once you get your head around that and the power and the right that your consciousness holds and your subconsciousness. Right. Oh man. That's where the work is. 
Well, and I think even, you know, security and, you know, when you're faced with those challenges of security and survival, you do reach very deep levels of, you know, consciousness at that point in time. You you have a, you know, you, you face the world differently at that point in time, and everybody goes through this if you've ever been faced with those situations. You realize what's important and what's not important. Um, when you're in those situations, you do have a totally activated uh, body. I find that whenever I've been in life-threatening situations, I go to the state of Zen calmness that I can't believe. And afterwards, you know, people will come up to me if I stopped a car rolling down the streets of Boston one time because the guy left his brake off, and it was in Cambridge, and I hopped in the car and you know, put on the brake, and people came up to me and started talking to me like it was some amazing thing, and I was like, no, it was just just something I did, or a guy was fell on a subway track when I was a kid, and, and I went down onto the track and picked him up and put him on the platform, and this guy came up and he said, well, I'm from the Daily News, I want to write an article about that. I said, why? I mean, what was the big deal? To me, it's a place of being calm and really zen-like, and yet, uh, I, when they talk about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, I feel like the top and the bottom kind of match right up at that point. Oh, absolutely. You know, the top one is like self-actualization. And right. for me, here's I'll tie that together. If it's security at the bottom and self-actualization at the top, this is my belief. We are absolutely god incarnate we all are we, oh i agree yeah yeah i agree and so when the, the when they match when you know who you are that knowing right. just comes in automatically right yeah yeah i mean i say that all the time if i get befuddled and my brain goes you know bullshit crazy like it can with just i don't know i can't imagine so much can go through in such a short period of time i'm just like hey man just give it up to your your God within and whatever the right thing will come together. And, and, you know, it's just freaking remarkable without any effort. Things, the less effort I put in, the less conscious effort I put in, the better things turn out. I mean, I don't know why, but when I trust, when I trust that system, it works. When I try to force it, it never works. So. <laughs> Be still and know. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I think that was a, oh, who Jesus might have said that. Be still and know. Be still and know who you are. And know, just know. Yeah. It's so, it, it, you know, so like, yeah, that's our mind. Our mind is just, it can be, that's why meditation is so absolutely needed. Right. You right. know, now more right. than ever, especially in the in a way that our society operates. Right. Right. Um, it needs exactly. to be multiple times a day, not just once. I mean, I, I find myself in the middle of the day getting kind of stressed out with work. And I'm like, you know what? I need to go and just clear my mind for a little bit. Just go well, move, get back to myself. Movement is too. I mean, what you do in terms of movement, I think is. And, you know, we have, we teach people, if you're, st I use a stand-up desk only because I can't sit, not because I'm trying to get fit. But, you know, it, it, Turns out if I want to calm my brain, I either do, you know, crossing the center line type of movements like you do when you walk or I'll actually just stand on one foot and balance for a few seconds. And that just sort of seems to clear the brain. And I know you do a lot of things in your movement space, you know, as you just move for a couple of minutes and it's almost as clearing as I think meditation can be sometimes. Oh, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's all needed. It is all needed. You know, one of my friends, I've said this before, I think on my podcast, he, he boxes and he's like, I don't meditate, but if meditation gives me what my boxing does, the clearness and the focus, then I, then I meditate. And I said, you absolutely do. Absolutely. Have you heard about uh, boxing and, because uh, boxing is a major cross the center line activity. Have you heard about the uh, boxing effect on people with Parkinson's disease? No. This was discovered by a trainer, and of course now academia is studying it like they had come up with it. But it was a trainer at some, you know, place for older people, and he took them to the boxing gym one day. And these were people with Parkinson's disease, 
And people who haven't talked for two years after several sessions of boxing started talking. People in wheelchairs were standing up. And they're trying to figure out why this is, but just simple boxing motions, not the fact that you're pounding something, but just that simple motion. You know, if you're standing here now, I'm just, if I'm hitting a heavy bag, I'm crossing the center line, my body's rotating with every strike. Incredible results. I mean, like almost curative type of results. And it's, and it's mind blowing what it is, that's how simple it is, but it's just that crossing the center line motion that is causing these people to sort of neurologically rewire. And we actually have in our, what we do, I'm sorry, I feel like I'm bringing it back to me, but I'm reading a book now where you're not supposed to do that too often. So I'm conscious of it. (laughs) (laughs) When we, when we balance train, you know, people come in, they'll be neurologically screwed up. They'll have watched the news before they came in or had a bad business phone call or had a fight with a spouse or something like that. And we take them through what we call a neurological reset. And part of that is just taking the arms and the body and just crossing that center line, what's called ipsilateral movement. And, you know, lo and behold, things sort of neurologically get back into shape and they get back on their balance device and they do well. And I've had, you know, several really kind of, you know, left brain conservative type of clients, uh, I'll do this with, and they'll just look at me like they don't get it. And they'll just go, that's just freaking amazing. Cause they go from crappy balance to good balance mm-hmm. just by crossing that center line. Like you do with boxing. Hmm. Wow. I love that. Nah, you just made me just get so excited. I'm going to add some new things to my programs. <laughs> <laughs> no, crossing the center line is hugely important. Yeah. I do some things in it with more like it's more um, take the leg across the body and it's more yes. like a yoga yeah. plyometrics move and right. yeah. um, it's hard. I'm exhausted afterwards. <laughs> right. But right. yeah, I mean, now that's actually really amazing to know. Um, I've had a, uh, a, what is a bronze gold medalist podcaster on my show, Tony, mm-hmm. Tony Jeffries before and he he's got this boxing gym in California and uh, also programs for gyms as well. And it's just, you know, I was just sitting here thinking when you were, t- you were talking about that, I-, I want to like not work ever. I just want to do like different fitness programs every single day. <laughs> you know, that'd be so amazing if that was part sure. of our world. I'm going to, I'm going to visualize that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I can make that true, at least for myself. Um, you know, because you have really too good a brain, too good a brain to do that. I hope you don't because you use your brain and use, use your ability to talk and communicate because you do a great job of that. So don't go crazy on that side. (laughs) No, I mean for like just changing things up and really just like working the body in a different way. Cause after this phone call, it just makes me realize that we just truly need, um, as much, cross training as possible i mean yes we have to work on our craft but the cross training is so critical right yeah so it is that's what i'm thinking (laughs) you got it yeah well is there anything else you'd like to share with the listeners today no i mean just you know if they want to learn more they can read the book you know i don't care they can go to the website um want to get educated just just think about balance and uh just think about balance in ways that are, you know, what you do athletically. And a lot of balance training is standing on one foot, the other leg kicked in front of you. And that's never a position we're in in any sport at any point in time. You're basically in mid-stride all the time. We're always on one foot or the other with the other foot kicked behind. Mm-hmm. So just think about balance. Think about taking your shoes off and feeling the ground. And, you know, the big toe is a big toe for a reason. Let it move and operate. You know, get out of your square space of your offices put down your phones go out into nature and activate that balance system because the more you do the better you're going to feel i love it it's so true um i am so grateful for this conversation today thank you so much this was wonderful i learned a ton and i'm sure that everybody listening did as well I hope you did too. Well, I enjoyed it. You <laughs> took us into the weeds. There's no doubt about it, but it was fun. Oh, man, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> One of my friends was telling me yesterday he picked weeds with his kids, and he's like, that's what life is all about. He's like, picking weeds. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, um, where can everybody find you? Where's your book? Well, 
I, the book is Balance is Power. It's on Amazon. And uh, anything Slackbow, S-L-A-C-K-B-O-W is us. That's where we are on social media, website, et cetera. And if they want to contact me directly, just jim at slackbow.com. And, uh, you know, I answer all emails. I'm really fascinated by what we do here. And, and I love it when people are enthusiastic like you about it. So I appreciate that very much. Very good. I do have a question for you. Okay. Request for you. What I'm really interested in doing is getting our um, products, programs in the hands of our listeners. So what I would like to do with this podcast today is for anybody who's listening to be able to win something from today's show by sharing it and helping us spread the word. Do you have anything that you'd be willing to donate to offer to somebody who also wants to win some win something that we're talking about today? Sure. I mean, I have a device called the Slack Block. It's a patented balance training device. Um, it represents or replicates to a certain extent uh, standing on a Slack line. We have a patented protocol that goes with it. I'd love to contribute one of those and a book, uh, Balance is Power. So, yeah. And I'm going to send an extra Slack Block for you so you can feel what it's like to get up there and challenge your balance the way I we do. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. That is great. I cannot wait to do this and I cannot wait for other people to really get word about what you do and also start to share this because it really, truly is important. And I, I think that this podcast today will really help people understand just how important it really is. Well, thank you. I really enjoyed it. You, you, it was a great interview. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much. All right, everybody. You heard it here at Figure Fit Life Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in today and we will be talking to you soon. Ciao.